Welcome back, health investor. Boy, do I have a treat for you today. When Dr. Trevor Cates agreed to be on my podcast, I seriously about fell out of my chair. I've been following her work for several years now, so she's pretty much a celebrity to me. And I know you're going to be just as obsessed with her work as I am after you hear this episode. I initially found Dr. Cates, or as she calls herself, the spa doctor, through a podcast, which prompted me to buy her book, Clean Skin from Within. In the book, she shares a detailed, customizable two-week program to transform your skin from the inside out, including recipes for skin-perfecting food and drinks and DIY skincare products. When I purchased the book, I'd never considered the fact that the things I was eating and the products I was putting on my skin may actually be worsening my breakouts. But as Dr. Cates explains, common skin conditions like acne, rosacea, eczema, and psoriasis are often cleared up when treated through a holistic approach. Even if you're not suffering from an extreme skin condition, you're going to want to hear what Dr. Cates has to say. Because her thoughts about adopting a cleaner, healthier lifestyle are ideas everyone can and should hear. Quickly, I want to share an Apple podcast review. Common Sense Ideas, very practical name there, rated the Health Investment Podcast five stars and wrote, Very informative. Who knew the role of bread in restaurants was to increase your hunger to encourage ordering more? Done with bread from now on, which will save bread, the green kind. Haha, very funny. This reviewer is referring to my episode about tips for eating healthier at restaurants. If you click see all episodes and scroll back, you'll find it towards the beginning. It was episode number three. Thanks so much for your feedback, Common Sense Ideas. Every single written review is enormously helpful, which is why I like to do these little shout outs. If you haven't already, write a written review and I'll shout you out on a future episode. Okay, it's time to hear from Dr. Cates. I still can't believe I got to chat with her. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing. You deserve to feel amazing. But here's the other thing. There are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm gonna share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness because I wanna help you get healthy for good without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one. So visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Dr. Cates. Thank you so much for being here on the Health Investment Podcast. It's really an honor to be speaking with you. I mentioned in the intro, I've been following your work for quite some time. So truly appreciate you being here with me today. Great. It's so great to be here. Thank you, Brooke. Sure. So just to start off, I mentioned I did a little brief intro, but can you explain for listeners your story and how you got interested in naturopathic medicine and then in specifically natural skincare? 
Of course. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I had a lot of health issues. I was sick all the time. And a lot of that showed up on my skin as these mysterious bumps that would appear, eczema, hives, a lot of rashes and itchy skin. And so my parents took me to see a lot of different specialists, different doctors that put me on different medication. And I, unfortunately, I would have adverse reactions or allergic reactions to just about everything that they gave me. So it just kept feeling worse and worse. And for anyone who struggles with skin issues, it's, it's not only the physical symptoms, but it's also the appearance of them. You can't, especially if you have problems with your face, the skin on your face, it's so hard to hide them. A lot of health challenges, um, you, you know, people may not know necessarily just see you walking around, but with skin issues, it's right there. And, it, and as a child, I remember it being embarrassing. And so, but thankfully my parents didn't give up looking for answers because they eventually found a holistic practitioner that they took me to. And that was the one thing that finally turned my health around, my skin, uh, and help me feel like a normal child. And I remember at that young age thinking, why did we have to go through all of this to, for me to learn about, for us to learn this holistic approach? Why wasn't this presented to us as an option right from the beginning? And so I became passionate about it at an early age. And then fast forward later on in my life, I you know, was in college and I learned about naturopathic medicine. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. This is this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. So that's what led me to go to naturopathic medical school, go to the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon. And um, and then so first I was in California, and then I came to Utah. When I came to to Utah, I started working out of uh, the Waldorf Astoria Spa here. So that's kind of how the the spa doctor name kind of came from because I was known as the spa doctor. And so what, what I was noticing in, in the, uh, the spa, one of the things that people would tell me is they would be doing my two week weight loss program. And at the end of the two weeks, they would say, Dr. Cates, I feel great. I've lost weight. But what really surprises me is my skin. I didn't know my skin could look this good. And so for me, it made total sense because of my own struggles and what led me to naturopathic medicine in the first place. And because I really see skin as our magic mirror, it's this great outer reflection of what's going on internally with our health. And so if we, if, if our skin is having any trouble, or even if it's just really anything less from glowing and healthy, there's probably something going on internally that needs to be addressed. And when we get our lifestyle back on track and we get we address root causes, our skin can be the best it's ever been. And whether that means re, you know getting rid of skin issues or just having healthier looking skin. And but I realized at that point when so many people were giving me that feedback that not many people looked at skin that way. That there you know so many people are given with the conventional approach to skin is to suppress the skin issue. So people are given medications to suppress it, but they're not looking as um, skin as an information, as a tool of what something going on deeper in the body. That and so what I and what I found in my practice is so often 
I'd hear this story of people having skin issues, that being an early sign that they had. And then if it didn't get addressed and that was suppressed over and over again, that eventually they would develop other health issues. So, so I, you know, I just, I felt this need to, to help other people to avoid the path you know, that I saw so many of my patients end up on. And so that's what led me to write my book, Clean Skin from Within, and what led me to create the Spot Doctor Skincare line as well. That's so cool. I love that idea. That's what first stood out to me about your work is you calling your skin your magic mirror. And I'd never thought of it that way. But back when I was somewhat overweight and low energy and, you know, unfocused and had all these different issues going on, my skin was a lot worse. So that was a sign to me like, oh, something's probably going on inside that I need to clear up before my skin will clear up on its own. Um, I think like many people, I'd never had really dramatic issues, but I had tried topical creams and different things. So what I'm hearing you're saying is, do those things work and they just act as masks or do you think they actually don't work? The topical creams, the Accutane? Well, it depends on what kind of skin issue you're talking about. Okay. It's an acute inflammatory skin issue and you're given a topical steroid. Sure. It can get rid of it and you know, it right. maybe not come back, but most people it's a chronic skin. It's those chronic skin issues. It's the, you know, the acne, the atopic dermatitis, the rosacea, the vitiligo psoriasis, a lot of these more common chronic skin issues that people have that the the conventional approach, it might provide some temporary relief, but mm -hmm. it's not, it's generally not addressing the root cause. And that, um, you know, I was, so, you know, for example, if, uh, what I saw with many of my patients that would come in and tell me that they used to have eczema or atopic dermatitis, and they were given topical steroids to suppress that. And maybe some antihistamines were thinking, you know, similar to what I was given as a child. And, and then maybe it started to kind of disappear. It was managed to a certain extent. Um, but the root cause was never addressed. So then later on, then they would develop asthma because they still have this internal inflammation and maybe some gut issues or other things going on that were never addressed. And then they develop asthma. Then they were given inhaler. So they managed that. So it's like managing. It's a Band-Aid approach. So it's sort of masking and holding the, the conditions at bay, but it's not addressing the root cause. And then people would say, and, and you know, this isn't always the case, but Oftentimes I saw this multiple times. So then if that wasn't addressed, it still wasn't addressed. And later on, they might develop even other health issues like autoimmune health issues because right. again, their immune system is being suppressed. The inflammation is not being addressed. The, the gut issues aren't being addressed. So then it just continues to show up in some other way. And so, and you know, it's skin is this, such a great tool for us and so I encourage people to look at it that way. We're so quick to, if we have dry skin, just use more lotion. If we're, mm -hmm. you know, people have rosacea, just using more makeup and getting more creative with covering it up with, you know, you know, with, with acne, you know, maybe a topical treatment or that, that sort of suppresses it or holds it at bay, but it's not, it, it, you know, your skin is trying to tell you something, something's out of balance in these kinds of skin issues. And the opportunity is there. And if we 
we can sort of mask it for a while, but the best approach is going to be to try and find out what's behind it and address that. Right. Definitely. I ha- I inter- interviewed an integrative dentist as well, and she was talking about the same type of thing you're mentioning with bleeding gums, how we'll just think that that's normal and you know, doctors even maybe don't take it that seriously, but same with skin. It's like that none of that is normal and there's something going on internally that we should really be addressing. Mm -hmm. So how would you then say that what are the first steps to take to address skin issues from an internal approach? Well, in my book, I talk about four different aspects that are important to incorporate. And I have a two week program that I I lay out for people in the book and there are four different aspects of this two week program. And it's sort of two weeks is not necessarily the end of, you know, all that you need to do. It's, it's way to kind of get a a jump start and to sort of hit the reset button. And people do see changes within, you know, by the end of the two weeks. And so, but the four aspects are clean plate, clean slate, clean body, and clean mind. So the clean plate are the are foods to avoid and foods to eat. The clean slate are the skincare products that we use. Clean mind has to do with stress management, mindfulness practices, and clean body has to do with uh, supporting our detoxification pathways and reducing other toxin exposures. So it's really all four of those, and and so you know it's it's important to to do all of these aspects on a pretty regular basis and doing it in a two week program is a great way to kind of jumpstart it. What would you say are some of the biggest dietary offenders in terms of acne or rosacea or dry skin? What have you noticed? Yeah. So when it, when it comes to foods that are the, the top trigger foods, there are 10 different ones that I talk about in my book to avoid during the, the two week program to, to figure out if those really are your trigger foods. Cause they're not, the same for everybody. Right. But, um, but the common, the most common one I see for the, especially across the board is sugar. Mm. Sugar tends to be one of the biggest trigger foods for skin issues and, or really anything that, that spikes it and it causes the blood sugar to rise and to, to sort of have that um, high glycemic index effect. So what happens is, first of all, sugar is uh, more of a pro-inflammatory food. It um, it also creates glycation issues in the body, which sp- speed up the aging process. Because when we eat a lot of sugar or foods that turn to sugar, glucose increases, and glucose will or our blood sugar increases. So glucose will then bind to proteins in the body. In the case of skin, we're talking about collagen. Collagen gives our skin that nice texture and firmness. And so when glucose binds to it, it makes it more rigid and less elastic. And that's what leads to a lot of the premature aging signs. Hmm. So, and also it, it triggers acne because uh, what happens with that is when we're eating sugar or foods that turn to sugar, our blood sugar increases insulin, the hormone insulin increases as a result of that. And with, with an increase in insulin, what happens is more sebum production and androgen activity. So those then will trigger acne breakouts. And so for people who haven't quite correlate, made that connection, that is one of the reasons like if you eat a bunch of sugar and then all of a sudden you start to notice a breakout, that's, that's the connection there. And of course, some people are more 
susceptible to to the blood sugar issues than other people, especially if you have a family history of diabetes or prediabetes or there's PCOS in your family, or maybe you have it, then you're definitely going to be more prone to um, sensitivities with blood sugar. Interesting. What about dairy? I hear that sometimes. Is that a big trigger for most people or just some? For acne, yes. And for a, for a number of skin issues, yeah, that's another one of the top trigger foods. It's not necessarily a problem for everyone. Um, I think it was one of the big ones that I had when I was a kid, I drank a lot of milk. Right. And of course, we thought it was really healthy, right? People think, yeah. oh, milk, whole milk, and it's healthy. And it's, you know, and even though it was like, probably organic because my parents were hippies and they were into natural stuff. And so, um, so probably, (laughs) but I was, but it's still, it's just the nature of milk and dairy products is that there are a number of issues with it. One is the, again, more pro-inflammatory food. It, um, it, it, it's a common food allergen, common food sensitivity. Some people have problems digesting it. And it also just the nature of milk is that it, it comes from a lactating mammal, which means it's going to have hormones in it. It, mm-hmm. it even if there are there, you know, it's like no hormones added kind of thing. It's just the nature of a lactating mammals are going to there's going to be hormones in the milk in dairy products, and hormonal imbalances are you know are triggers for skin problems. So really, you know, it can be particularly a problem for for certain people. Now, what's interesting is the research shows. Uh, that the the biggest dairy contributor for acne is actually skim milk. And I think that's probably then goes back to not only it being dairy, but also the fact that it probably is going to spike the blood sugar more because of it doesn't have the fat in it. Um, So (laughs) it's interesting. People think skim milk was so much healthier, but I think most people are getting away from that now. Yeah. That just mentioning that makes me think the other day about oat milk. And then I just assumed, you know, a non-dairy alternative, whatever, must be healthier. But then I looked at the back and it actually had so much sugar in it, which I then, you know, posted on my Instagram feed or whatever of like, whoa, has anybody noticed how much sugar is in oat milk? But it's these little things I think that we may not even realize, or we think we're doing the healthy choice by eating skim or drinking skim milk, but there's a high sugar content or whatever. Right, right. Absolutely. What do you think about wheat or gluten? Is that another big trigger or again, it's kind of case dependent? Yeah, it it definitely is another one of the big trigger foods that I see. And for gluten, I see this particularly for people with um, eczema, with atopic dermatitis, and for more of the immune system related, like, uh, you know, psoriasis as well, and and also to a certain extent, rosacea. Um, so for, for certainly it can be one of those trigger foods. And I think in general, we've kind of gone overboard with gluten. It's we have wheat flowers been in everything for so long and with it being genetically modified and all, I think, I think it's kind of, I think it's a good idea in general for people to be more mindful of, of, uh, cutting out gluten or being tested for gluten intolerance or celiac just to see if it's a problem. And definitely some, just because, um, you, uh, you, you may, you know, may eat, gluten and think, oh, I feel fine when I eat it. You might be surprised if you actually take it out of your diet and then reintroduce it. A lot of times people will notice symptoms that they didn't even realize 
could go away or that we're even there. It's amazing how people will sometimes live with just sort of dull, dry skin and think, okay, this is just genetic. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they'll live with a certain amount of pain or insomnia or, you know, stress or, and then when they go off foods and they give their body a break from it, they're amazed at how different they feel. It is so powerful. It really is. And you don't notice that I don't think until you do what you're talking about, the elimination, which I think is so cool that you offer that in a two week program in your book. And people should definitely check that out. I know that I followed that and it was amazing for me several years ago. Uh, What do you think about sugar in terms of natural sources and artificial sugars? Do those have the same impact as refined sugar? Well, artificial sweeteners are definitely a a whole different thing. Um, They have come with their own uh, list of risks and problems. And people that consume artificial sweeteners, so, you know, say they're doing a diet soda instead of a regular soda, their body, what happens is their body is thinking that they're having something sweet. So it's how going through the same physiologic processes to, to deal with the sugar. So it actually, um, can still cause weight gain and sugar cravings and a lot of the same things, even though they're choosing diet. And then depending upon, you know, choosing your, your poison of choice, they come with some, um, concerns with, um, you know, the whole list of them. But, you know, I think a lot of times people will then look to, okay, you know, I'm not going to have sugar, but I'll load up on agave syrup. And that's not going to be a better alternative either because you're still going. And that's why I said sugar or anything that that causes your blood sugar to rise quickly and that keeps it, especially if it keeps it up there or it causes these ups and downs is when we really get into trouble. And so agave, I don't think is a, is a healthier alternative. I think the best alternative is going to be stevia is my, uh, my, uh, alternative choice. You could even get a stevia plant and just like take the leaf and blend it up into your smoothie to, if you want to add a little sweetness. Um, so I think that's, you know, and then of course there's erythritol and xylitol and, um, most people do pretty well with that as well. And those, those, the stevia, erythritol, uh, xylitol, um, monk fruit is another alternative. That's another one that a lot of people will use. So those, these are not going to really impact the blood sugar in the same way. And they don't seem to have the side effects or the problems that the artificial sweeteners have. That's interesting. And then fruit, do you limit your intake of fruit? I, you know, I talk about in the book as far as servings of fruit um, to, to not go overboard with it. I mean, and there are certain types of fruit that have a higher glycemic index, like it'll cause a blood sugar rise more than others. And, you know, if you've got like more of the high fiber fruits and certainly um, fruit juice, unless it's just you know, juiced is not going to, uh, that's going to, of course, have a lot more sugar content because it doesn't have the fiber in it. But, um, you know, I I think it's, it's moderation. I I love fruit. I think fruit's great, especially things like, like berries um, are lots of antioxidants. And they're a nice alternative to dessert, right? You know, like I, I love having, I always have berries, like raspberries, blueberries, or blackberries in my refrigerator. My kids that I really love, like after dinner, like that's what we grab. We have like, you know, have a handful of berries instead of dessert. So it's a nice alternative. Definitely. You still want to enjoy life. You know, you want to <laughs> have a little sweetness here and there. 
But yeah, when you were talking about the agave syrup, I know sometimes I'll order a skinny margarita and I'll ask the restaurant, you know, what do you put in your margarita? And they'll say, oh, we use agave syrup, so we don't use any sugar. Or, oh, we use honey, so don't worry, there's no sugar in it. (laughs) So I just think there's a lot of misinformation out there about what actually is sugar. And I have to just say, I'll have a tequila, lime juice, and seltzer sometimes instead of asking for a skinny margarita or whatever. You know, honey is not that evil. I mean, there, you know, like a little bit of honey is okay. There's actually some therapeutic uh, benefits for honey okay. used both topically and, you know, having a little honey in your tea, but you know, it's been known to be helpful for like a sore throat or a cough and especially some of the, the more therapeutic honeys that could be great. And just moderation, small amounts is okay. If you want to indulge a little and have a, something a little sweet, a little bit of honey is okay. Got it. Okay. So when it comes to slate, you started mentioning honey topically for your skin. I know that's one of my favorite things that I've learned from you is using a honey face mask. But how important would you say it is for people to be aware of the ingredients in their skincare and what are the main offenders that people should be looking for in what they're using? Well, I I think it is really important. And I think a lot of times people forget that what we put on our skin doesn't just sit there. We what what we put on our skin does to a certain extent get absorbed through the skin and makes it way into circulation. And we, you know, people really if you think about it, people really know this because that's what People use topical hormone prescriptions because we know those are going to get absorbed through the skin. People use nicotine patches, all that, because we know that to a certain extent, you can use skin as a way of administering medication, right? So if you think about it that way and you start to think before you put something on your skin, would I put it in my mouth? Because it's going to make its way in my body. And of course, we don't absorb things through our skin the same way we do through the mouth, through the digestive tract. But it's it's a good way to just kind of stop and pause. Like, how clean is this? And do is this really good for me? Because on average, according to the Environmental Working Group, on average, we use nine personal care products a day, which exposes us to 126 unique ingredients. And women actually use more, of course, general on average, use more like 11 or 12 products a day. If you think about it, it really starts to add up. And the problem is, is there's, there is sort of a lack of regulation in the skincare industry, especially in the United States. In Europe, they've banned over a thousand ingredients and personal care products. But in the United States, the FDA is only banned 11 ingredients. And so it really is up to us as a consumer to look at ingredients, ask questions, and to find find companies that you can get behind and trust as far as the quality and the and how clean of the products they're making. And so, you know, I, I do think it's really, really important. I think it's something that people overlook on a regular basis. And here's the thing that another thing to take it just a step further is that just because it says it's natural doesn't really mean anything. The word natural actually has no regulation around it. Anybody can use that word. So what you, you know, the word organic has a little bit more regulation. So certainly if something says it's made with organic ingredients, those have to be certified organic. Um, And also another word that is misleading is the word hypoallergenic. That actually has, it's only a marketing term. It has no regulation. And it sounds very medical and clinical. And that's the thing about the skincare industry is the marketing, the spend on marketing. I mean, I have my own skincare line, so I know what I'm up against in the skincare industry. With yeah. and what they spend and how creative they get with marketing. 
but um, and a lot of big companies are now moving into the natural skincare space because the because the consumer is wanting it. The public is wanting this. Their understanding of the the problems with typical skincare. And so they're demanding it. And but the problem is, is there's still a lack of regulation. So, uh, you know, you asked about ingredients to look for. And so one of the top ones I would say is fragrance. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's in so many products. And also because it's often still used in natural uh, products that are called natural, you'll still see fragrance in there. And fragrance is is uh, is not one ingredient, but it's listed on the label as one ingredient, but it's a whole bunch of different ingredients. And some of these actually have endocrine disrupting effects, hormone disrupt- disrupting effects. Uh, for example, diethyl phthalate is one of the ingredients that's used in fragrance to help the, the smell last longer, but it is a known endocrine disruptor. And so this class of chemicals, the endocrine disruptors, what happens is they that the when the when the when they get into the bloodstream, the body sees them as they kind of look in a way like hormones, or they'll bind to hormone receptors and turn off or mess with the functioning of hormone receptors. So we're seeing, um, you know, a connection with endocrine disrupting chemicals. We're seeing problem their connection with infertility, with um, with early puberty with um, breast development in boys, early breast development in girls, um, uh, uh, hypothyroidism, thyroid disease overall. Uh, We're seeing more rates of breast cancer, prostate cancer, all kinds of things. Really, if you think about anything related to hormones, it can cause disruption with that. So even like diabetes because of insulin and some of the hormones that have to do with with blood sugar balance and, you know, insulin. And uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. So, but, you know, the thing is, is that we are exposed to these endocrine disruptors in all kinds of different places in our air, water, food, and personal care products. So we need to look at all the ways that we can reduce our exposure because it's inevitable we're going to get exposed to these. They're, you know, they're in our air, water, food, and personal care products. They're just out there. But to start with the ways that you, places you have control, like your personal care products. So, you know, things like fragrance are going to be these kind of hidden lurking things that overall, when you start to add them all up, that's when you're going to have a problem. Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered ThriveMarket.com. ThriveMarket is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything, delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. You mentioned Environmental Working Group. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but I love going there. Such an amazing resource to see the rating of different household cleaning products or makeup or skincare products. It's really fortunate we ha- that we have that resource. And then obviously, so you have a four-step skincare line, correct? 
Yes, I do the the Spa Doctors Daily Essentials, my skincare system. And by the way, it is um, the Environmental Working Group EWG. It's EWG verified, so then they oh wow, congratulations sure that they meet their criteria. So super clean and yeah, I think it's I you know it's good that we have organizations like that doing doing uh you know kind of keeping an eye on things just because um you know the the lack of regulations with the FDA. Definitely. And I know that that is a really high honor to get EWG verified. So that's incredible. Can you explain a little bit more about your skincare line, what the parts are and what types of ingredients you use in each product? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a four-step skincare system. It's a cleanser, serum, moisturizer, and an oil blend. And so, you know, the biggest, I think the biggest mistake that people make in their skincare routine is their cleanser and cleansing the body mm-hmm. and the face. And so, so many of the cleansers out there and bars of soap and all of that, they're actually stripping the skin. We're overdoing it with cleansing. The the skin function is to provide a barrier to the outside world. So we have this, this, the, the barrier function of the skin includes a mild acidity and includes micro, uh, microorganisms that protect the skin and includes certain oils, the sebum in the skin, it all has a function to help protect our skin from the outside world. But so much of what we do on a daily basis, including the way we clean our skin, strips away at that barrier and damages it. And this can eventually is one of the things that can contribute to what we might call leaky skin, which is where that barrier function breaks down to the point where um, our skin isn't going to be very healthy. It might be more prone to breaking out, to having eczema, to being dry, and a number of different skin problems and acne included. So cleansing is very important, that step. So what what I wanted with my step one with my cleanser was to create a cleanser that cleanses, that takes off makeup, it takes off debris, that takes off, you know, the, the, the pollutants that land on your skin and all of that, the dirt and the grime, but without taking out the good parts, without stripping the skin. So oil-based cleansers tend to be a better way to do this. And so it is my, my step one is an oil-based cleanser. It also still has mild acidity. So most cleansers, when they have that foamy or bars of soap, they have that foamy kind of feeling to them. That means they have a high pH. And that's just, it's damaging to the skin. Most of those are like they're over 5.5 when actually what we need are products that are even the cleanser in that, then the 4.6 to 5 pH range is much better to help, help support and heal healthy skin. So that's the first step. And then, you know, if you use a really good cleanser, you actually don't need a toner because toner typically will remove extra whatever's kind of left on the skin after cleansing and they'll restore the pH to the mild acidity. But if you're using a good cleanser, then you actually typically don't need a toner. So I decided not to use a toner. Instead, I have a, a serum, um, our antioxidant serum. Now, serums are known to, to rapidly absorb into the skin. So that's why I wanted to give a bunch of uh, really potent antioxidants. Also, we have things like pineapple fruit extract, that helps kind of create some uh, gentle exfoliation on a daily basis to help the skin cell turnover. And um, and then the next step is a moisturizer. And that is, um, of course, we want to hydrate the skin. And so it's a, so what I have is a, is an, uh, 
a kind of a lighter moisturizer and it's got beautiful ingredients like turmeric um, and and a tea blend and so it's very nourishing calming soothing to the skin and then the last step that I have is a plant-based oil blend. And these are, they're, they're becoming more and more popular, the face oils. And for people who are not familiar with them, there has been this myth out there that if you have oily skin, you can't use face oils and you can't, or you can't use oil-based cleansers. That's actually yeah. not true. This, huh. this is sort of this myth that needs to be busted that if you have oily skin, you need to strip the oil. That's not true. If you think about it, that sebum in your skin is actually doing a good thing. If you have a naturally oily skin, you probably have um, an advantage there and having more graceful aging. Your skin is going to be more hydrated, but you just have to find the balance of the oils, not get rid of them, not strip them, but find the right balance. And if you're using a good plant-based oil blend, it actually enhances that and creates more balance in your skin. Oh, that's incredible. I did not know that. I also didn't Mm -hmm. know that about the toner. I've been told by different facialists that you have to use toner, but that makes so much sense about the the first step, the cleanser being the right pH, mm-hmm. that you wouldn't actually need it. What are some of your favorite DIY facial products? I know we mentioned the honey as a, a brightening mask, right? Or what what is honey good for? And then what are some of your other favorite foods to use on skin? Yeah, honey is is great because it's um it's antimicrobial. So, but in a balancing sort of way. It's not going to disrupt the skin microbiome, but it's it's going to help kind of keep things in check. It's also hydrating. It's very hydrating to the skin, but without uh, you know, without it being like without it feeling oily or anything, right? So it's it's very hydrating. So honey is a great one. Um, and there's there's so many ingredients you might even already have in your kitchen that are kind of great that are things like oats are another good one. Uh, what I suggest with oats though is that you you grind them into more of a flour because you don't want to use things on your face that are rough. You can use um, more abrasive things on the rest of your body. You know, like coffee grounds and things like that are popular in some of the DIY skincare, which is fine, but don't use it on your face because your face is very uh, delicate skin. You're also getting more sun exposure on your face than, than elsewhere. So, you know, there's some things that are with your face. You want to be more careful with the exfoliation um, on your face. So um, grinding it up into more of a powder is going to be great. And then if, and I know that some people like, I like a sugar scrub. And if you do Mm -hmm. a sugar scrub for your face, use brown sugar and something that dissolves it a little bit because sugar is actually, because of its acidity, that's where you should be using it. You know, instead of using, take, you know, <laughs> taking it in internally, use it on your yeah. skin. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Like it, it's good for your skin to, you know, and so, uh, but it'll dissolve when it dissolves a little bit, that brown sugar is a little bit better for using in DIY. So what do you put the sugar and the oats in? Do you put them just in an oil? So, um, with, so what, what a, a nice blend of that could be, and, and there's so many different great recipes. I have a yeah. bunch in the book, as you mentioned, um, one example could be, you could do, um, honey and oats and you could, um, uh, mash up some like straw pressed strawberry, or you could do yogurt, um, is another great ingredient to use on the skin. Um, so one of the things I th- I hear about yogurt is now, right now, uh, probiotic skincare is kind of like a hot thing right now, uh-huh. but actually the probiotics, the good bacteria that are in yogurt are not the same as the kind of good bacteria that actually grow on your skin. Uh-huh. Those are 
more the ones you find in your gut, like lactobacillus, bifidobacteria, those are actually more for gut health. But the reason why dairy products and things like yogurt are good on the skin is because of the lactic acid, because it has this sort of enzymatic process and that mild acidity to it. So that's one of the reasons why it's a great ingredient. So you could, you know, you could do a nice combo with some of those ingredients. Oh, okay. And then how often do you recommend doing a mask? Bi-weekly or once a week? Well, so here's the thing with DIY. First of all, I want to make sure you see you, you have to make these fresh. And so uh-huh. DIY skincare is is a little bit of work. It's fun. I love doing it. My girls love it when we do our spa days at home and we make our DIY skincare and we do our masks. You could do them once a week or twice a week, but you have to make them fresh. A lot of these ingredients, they just, they don't last. And, and because there's, there's nothing preserving them. Definitely. If you're going to, if you have some leftover and you want to try using it the next morning, then put it in the refrigerator and, uh, keep it covered so that hopefully nothing will grow in it. That's not supposed to. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's like with anything, right. That's fresh. You, it has an expiration date. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, what about people always are talking about and debating retinol? What are your thoughts on retinol? So retinol um, is when, so one of the concerns with retinol is the, the sensitivity effects, the photosensitizing effects of that. So it does make your skin more sensitive to sun damage. So that's one thing to be very aware of if you're using it. It does um, have some, you know, the research does show that it has some benefit for things like anti-aging and for um, acne. Um, so no, it definitely has some therapeutic benefit. It's not something that I typically recommend for my patients. I don't feel that I need it because I've got so many other tools in my tool belt that I don't need to, to use that. Plus, if you look at vitamin A, I mean, look at retinol, you, you can get a lot of the uh, benefits from vitamin A and vitamin A rich oils. So that's um, without the the downside and the side effects and the concerns uh, about the sun sensitivity, and um, so I, you know, that's kind of my take on it. Um, yeah, yeah, and I I think from what I understand, it's wrinkle prevention, right? But like you said, if you're doing all of the internal things to prevent wrinkles, avoiding sugar as much as possible, and then using the more natural skincare that's actually natural, that's not just labeled natural, it seems as if all of that could combat the wrinkles equally as well. Yeah. And there are other um, natural ingredients that are, you know, kind of powerhouse like antioxidants and CoQ10 and vitamin E, vitamin A, and um, uh, some of the the teas like green tea, white tea, black tea. Those are, you know, some of those are also some, you know, beneficial things. And um, so, you know, there certainly are some other natural ingredients that have some of these more anti-aging benefits and the, the, some of the plant-based oils that we use are, are also very hydrating and nourishing to the skin so they can help protect and, and also, um, you know, kind of, you know, help with some of the fine lines and wrinkles. And so over time, it's, you know, we look at natural, what is natural with anti-aging? We have to remember that aging is natural. <laughs> and definitely you know, wrinkles are signs that we've been living and laughing and, and li- you know, just living our lives. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, the whole idea of just so, so many people using Botox concerns me is that, um, 
you know, there, there are concerns about Botox and, and the, the safety of it as far as the fact that it is, you know, comes from uh, botulinum, which is a neurotoxin and it, it is a toxic ingredient. So over time, we, I do have concerns. I mean, the, the studies have been done saying that it's safe, but we've said that about a lot of things that have been used in, uh, in the beauty industry that were safe. And then, oh, wait a minute. No, that actually was dangerous when we find out later down the road. Also, it, can, it concerns me when you freeze muscles um, and, you know, later down, if you're not exercising those muscles, I kind of wonder what's going to happen with, with, you know, when those wear off over time, I mean, mm-hmm. you're just, you get caught in the people that use um, Botox, you get kind of caught on this vicious cycle of having to keep doing it. And that um, eventually that might catch up with people. For sure. Do you wear daily sunscreen on your face? Yeah, I do think it's important to wear a good sunblock. I, I think that a lot of sun protection comes from being mindful of uh, wearing hats and thinking about what time of day you're going in the sun and where you are in the world. But um, having that extra protection when you need it, looking at things that are more of the zinc oxide based sunblocks rather than the, the chemical sunscreens, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because it, Do you have a favorite brand? Um, well, we, we sell my shell, um, we sell sell some of my shells products, I should say on the spot doctor website, uh, two of my favorites are the ones that, that I, that I sell there because, because they are zinc oxide. And I, I've tried so many different ones because the problem with zinc oxide is they can be really pasty and they just don't go on very well. And so, um, yeah, I, there are some that are definitely made better than others. (laughs) Yeah, I actually use my shell also. So I'm glad to hear that you approve of that one. I like it a lot and I agree. I tried so many and, you know, you don't want your face to be white throughout the day, but I think that one works really well. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me. The final question I ask all guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? To make a health investment, I think, is about daily choices that you're making to, um, to help protect and improve your health, to optimize your health today and down the road. And I think a lot of times people want either a quick fix or just something that, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to go to the spa and get a treatment, but then, then beat your skin up the rest of the time. But really about your daily choices. What are you doing on a regular basis and making sure that it's clean, it's nourishing and it's supportive uh, and that you're really investing in your health for the, for the long term. And self-care is such a key part of all of this. I think a lot of times we don't think that we're worth it or that we don't have time for it, but it is very nurturing for us to take time for self-care. And that includes a really good skincare routine. Couldn't agree more. Where can listeners follow and find you? I know you mentioned your book, Clean Skin from Within, which I will definitely link in the show notes, but where else is the best place to learn all of your tips? Well, I want to tell everybody about the skin quiz because I think that's a great tool, a great resource for people to find out what their skin type is. Now, I redefine skin types. I gave them human names. They're Amber, Olivia, 
Amber, Olivia, Sage, Emmett, and Heath. Um, these are uh, skin personality types. When you find out your skin type, you'll find out more about the root causes and how to truly address your skin. So people can go to theskinquiz.com, theskinquiz.com to find out which skin type they are. And then they can get additional information at thespadoctor.com. And that's T-H-E-S-P-A-D-R.com. So doctor is abbreviated DR. And I have um, lots of information. I have my podcast. I have um, my book, my skincare products, all of that you can find there. Awesome. And then which, are you active on any social media platforms or we're pretty much across the board. Yeah. So oh, okay. Instagram and Facebook and YouTube are favorites. So that's where oh, you YouTube. Post. <laughs> cool. I haven't seen your YouTube videos. That's exciting. Yeah. That's where our podcast is too. Oh, awesome. Great. Well, thank you so, so much again for being here. You shared so much information and I can't wait to put a lot of it into great use. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, so let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.